Welcome to Christian Concepts, a weekly show in which I hold thoughtful discussions about Christianity, its concepts, and misconceptions. I'm your host, Taj. Have you ever noticed that the vast majority of people that profess Christ seem to fall away within a few years? I'm not talking about a false conversion or false professions as far as just saying the words. I'm actually speaking about people who genuinely hear the gospel and come to Christ. They are true children of God. And within a few short years, they pull away. What exactly happens? Have you ever wondered about that? The Apostle Paul speaks extensively about the falling away and the faith. And many times in his epistles, especially uh, First and Second Timothy, this is reference to some great modern perversion or some heresy that's in the church. A lot of times I've heard messages preached about this and those passages are brought up. But I'm talking about something that is a lot more subtle. I believe that modern church does a horrible job of setting the expectations of life in Christ. Today, we will discuss life in Christ. So many times the gospel is being presented by Christians to other people, you know, uh, you know, non-believers or people of other faith. God is presented as sort of like a genie with unlimited wishes. And a lot of times, you know, with well intentions, of course, you want the positive side of all the blessings and, you know, the miracles and all those different things. People bring up, say, Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. A lot of times people reference that verse when they're talking about, you know, praying for the new job, the promotion, finding a house, or whatever it might be, the spouse, and you know, you pray about these things, and you know, all these things that you, you your heart's desire, the Lord will give it to you. That is how that verse is usually uh, used, and of course, they bring up the passage, you know, about uh, fathers giving gifts and so forth, and a lot of times, people come to Christ, come into Christianity thinking that whatever they pray for, they're going to get. Now, praying and asking and having faith is very important. However, God is not a genie with unlimited wishes. So a lot of times people come to faith and they start to, okay, wow, they see these things, you know, whatever it be, their internal conversions, things that they were struggling with, they, they see these blessings and things happening. Now they have this expectation that whatever they pray for, they're going to get. And that's really setting people up. And I'll just give you a quick example. Uh, so, you know, let's say a, a big sporting event, whether it be the Olympic finals or, you know, whatever sport that you are thinking of, the Super Bowl, World Series or uh, uh, Premier Championship, Premier Club Football Championship, cricket, whatever it is, guaranteed there is someone praying for the victory. Now, let's say two Christians on opposing teams are both praying for the victory. They have all the faith in the world. Now, how is God going to answer that question? That's a huge dilemma, right? Both teams can't win. And it makes me think of uh, this movie that I saw. It came out in the 90s. And, you know, the, 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 the soldiers, they're, they're going off to war. It was uh, the American Revolution, if I'm not mistaken. And the, the, the general prays to God and says, um, Lord, please keep us safe and give us victory. And hear not the heathen prayers of our enemy. Right? So, you know, that's a, you know, a funny scene. But just think about that. If, if, if people are Christians on both sides and they're praying the exact opposite thing, but they have all the faith in the world. How does that reconcile? Well, that's the thing. God isn't just a genie. And no, he's not opposing Christians on different teams, uh, praying that prayer. I don't think that's really a 
the best use of prayer, but whatever. Um, you know, I'm not going to say where you should use your prayer and where you should not use the prayer, but I'm just telling you, if you go into that two Christians, they go into that with false expectations, one of them is going to be let down. And in conjunction with that, with just pray, there is so much about just believing, right? And a lot of that comes from Matthew 17, verse 20, where the faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. So, you know, a lot of Christians come into the faith and are are presented the idea that if you truly believe with your whole heart, your whole mind, soul, and body that God is going to do it, he will do it. And I have seen so many people let down, whether they're praying for their loved ones that are sick and the person dies, or they're praying for a marriage, a job, or just so many things that do not work out and wholeheartedly believe that. Now, think about it. That, you know, the, the, the passage that's also our reference is having the faith of a child. Now, children, they believe anything that you say. They wholeheartedly believe it, right? But the thing is, a lot of the things that they believe do not work out or they are not true. For example, Tooth Fairy, Santa Claus, whatever it is. You know, uh, just so many things, uh, the boogeyman in the closet, just, just a lot of things that children believe just do not manifest itself. So the faith of a child is very powerful. However, again, we have to have the right expectations going into this thing. No matter how much a person believes a lie, it does not make it true. For example, throughout the years and every so often there are different quote unquote prophet comes up saying when Jesus will return and all these different things, they sell their houses, they they commit to the cause, they do all these different things. And these people genuinely believe that this leader is, is pulling something from the Bible that's going to lead them in the right way. And a lot of the times, well, no, every single time they have been disappointed. And reason being is no matter how hard these people truly believe it, that, that does not make it true. Now, some people say, well, those people aren't Christians to begin with because they should know that, you know, the Lord says no man knows the day or the hour. But there are so many people that know the gospel. They have uh, put their faith in Jesus Christ, but they are not taught in correct doctrine and they're easily led astray. And when it comes to having false expectations, now, so many preachers and just slick talkers, so many charismatic leaders are able to convince people of of all sorts of things, right? And them believing that results in some serious disappointment, and they associate that with Christianity. Now, tie that into, you know, the prosperity gospel with people saying, oh, just pray for the money and pray for that and, and, and you know, just lay your hands on the person and they will be healed because there's no death, no suffering, no sickness. And if, if that person is not healed, it's just a matter of lack of faith on your part. If your bill isn't paid at the end of the month, it's a matter of lack of faith and all these different things. So there's so many people that are exercising this faith in there. They're really just going out there. And then what happens is once their expectations aren't met, now they start to doubt everything else, right? So again, there's just so many layers for this and I can go on and on and on, give countless examples of how false expectations are set and disappointment is inevitable for these Christians. And I can even think back to in my youth when this is actually before I became a Christian. However, I was a professing Christian in church, but uh, needless to say, I'm going to use this example. I remember we were going on a church trip. I was about, say, 9, 10, 11 years old, and I ate my mother's seafood casserole. It made me absolutely sick. I mean, I was just, like, ready to just die. I was literally praying for God to take me out because it, I was in so much pain. 
And the preacher laid hands on me and says, do you believe that God's going to heal you? And of course, 9, 10, 11 years old, I'm like, absolutely. You know, I had all the faith in the world. They laid hands on me and they're praying for me and oils and all sorts of stuff. And they said, don't worry, uh, son, just have the faith. And by the time we reach the church, uh, we're, we're going from upstate New York into the Bronx to a uh, either a convention or whatever it was. It, w- it was a church trip. That's all I know. We took two buses down. And, you know, of course, I I go to sleep on the bus and, you know, after the prayer and everything, this expectation now is set that God is going to heal me and I believe with all my heart. Well, when we arrived, I was like 10 times more sick. I mean, I was it was unbelievable how just I literally thought I was going to die that night. And there we go. If this was a a new convert, someone who really came to uh, the faith under that person's preachings, and now that expectation is set. It's like, wow, well, I had all the faith in the world, because I can tell you, I believed it. I absolutely believed it. At that point now, doubt would start to set in. Now, luckily, it wasn't until later in life I found Christ and I was able to be in a grounded uh, church. So this effect of this uh, seafood casserole, uh, it it did not uh, have lasting effect on me. Well, at least not my faith. Because of this event, seafood was forever ruined for me. Anytime I smell crabs, it doesn't matter what it is, anything of that nature, it brings me right back to my childhood on that church trip. And it's funny because my mother absolutely loves seafood. So when we go out to restaurants, what have you, and if she's having lobsters, like she has to sit away from me. And, you know, it's just one of those things, right? Uh, but anyways, going back to the whole point of expectations, right? Because that is neither here nor there. That happened in my childhood and I was saved, came to the church, grounded in faith in my twenties. However, so many examples like that do happen to many Christians. And as a result, let's say they were, you know, within a year of their faith and they're really believing all this stuff and something like that happens, now they turn their back onto everything. So I think it is truly uh, the responsibility of Christians and church in general to lay down some expectations, some biblical expectations. Now, you know, let's go to the Bible and actually see the examples of people of faith, the heroes of the faith, if you will. We can go all the way back to Genesis, if you will, to Abel, who was killed by his 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 own brother, right? Here is a godly man, and you know, it's not all sunshine and and rainbows and everything is perfect. A godly man was killed by his own brother. Now, you can go to Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers. David, who was on his, uh, he, he was running for his life because of Saul. After he was anointed to be king, Saul sought out to uh, kill him. Then, of course, just so many things, different points in his life, the ups and the downs, you know. So, but here is a person, the king of Israel, the anointed, and his life was not just a bed of roses, perfect all the way through. And let's go to Daniel, right? Here we go, another a prophet of God, right? And he was thrown into the Daniel, uh, in, into the lion's delt den, right? I don't think any of us uh, would expect something like that in, in our lives. And I think we have been spoiled in the sense that we don't, for the most part, for the many people that are of uh, Christian faith, we're not living in a place where we're literally faring our lives on a daily basis because of our faith. However, there are places in the world that are still like that. And, you know, they will be the ones who will attest and they'll read these stories of Daniel and all these different people will tell you that, you know, just because you have faith in Christ, you have put your faith in Christ does not make your life easy. 
let's look at John the Baptist, right? The you know he basically he opens up the New Testament preaching in the wilderness, and he was beheaded. He was imprisoned and beheaded. Then we have Jesus, of course, you know the central figure of the entire Bible, the central figure of the faith. And what happened to him? He was beaten, he was hung on the cross, and he was crucified. Right? He was put to death. Now that is not glorious. That is thirty three years old. Right? A fairly young life. And, you know, that was his end. Now, all the apostles, with the exception of John the Beloved, who later on wrote uh, the book of Revelations in in his uh, later years, they all died premature deaths. They were all executed because of their faith. They were all martyrs. So I think it is just absolutely laughable to think that, okay, as Christians, you know, our life is easy from here in and we have our faith in Christ. So it's all smooth sailing. That is laughable and it's just not biblical, right? You know, if you just read through the Bible, countless examples, Job, uh, going back to the Old Testament, so many people that you can see godly people go through some hard times. And we like to think of, you know, uh, all the encouraging positive verses of the New Testament and negating the fact that God is there with you through the storm. He does not promise that there won't be any storms. He is saying that he's going to ride through those storms with you, even just like with the flood of Noah, right? The Lord was with him during all that chaos. And now... Going back to the New Testament, and I spoke about the apostles and how John was the only one that actually died of old age. I think the best way to sum all this up is just uh, looking at what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12. And I'm telling you, like, really, this just puts everything I'm saying right now into perspective and a great place to start building some foundation as to your faith and your expectations, especially when you're leading other people to Christ, you're sharing faith and, you know, what you're going to share with them, right? So, it starts off, well, first of all, I'll tell you that uh, Paul, who, you know, was living the high life and he was a persecutor of the church, he had a very high position in in society, in Jewish society. He, you know, was most likely wealthy. He was definitely powerful. Uh, he was uh, respected and revered and feared by many people. Now, once he became Christian, he gave all of that up. And, you know, he often speaks about uh, different ailments and a thorn in the flesh. But in this passage, he's actually asking God to remove that from him. So verse eight, uh, yeah, verse eight starts. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now, that is a powerful passage right there. Three times Paul prayed for whatever infirmity it was, this thorn in his flesh to be removed from him. Rather than just granting that prayer, God answers and says, his grace is sufficient. Paul, the great apostle who raised people from the dead, he wrote, or I should say, he penned the majority of the New Testament. Yet when he sought God to have this thing removed from him, he was denied. Just think about that for a minute. Now, if it happened to Paul, why should we think anything when it happens to us? Why teach these new converts that if they believe and they pray and they ask without any context of that passage? That is a very dangerous thing to do. Now, I'm not saying those passages are, are not 
truthful. I'm not saying those passages aren't literal. And I'm not saying that those passages should not be taught, but they should be taught in context. Because if someone is praying for something that is completely against God's will or violates his own laws or uh, against uh, the best interest of of the kingdom or uh, the child of God itself, why should a God grant that? If you're not in tune with whatever mission or whatever goal God is uh, trying to intend, why should that prayer be answered? So when you're when when we have our expectations for what life is like as a Christian, I think the best place to look, honestly, is on the life of Paul. He was beaten, he was arrested, he was uh, ultimately he was executed in the end. But he had this affirmity. His friends were uh, sometimes betrayed him. They were people that were speaking ill against him. There was just so much that he went through. Yet he did it all with joy for Christ. And that is, I think, the central message, what should be taught to build expectations. Now, a, a, a parable or an, an analogy or whatever you want to call it that I heard, which I thought was a beautiful thing, was that the Christian life is not like a, a get out of jail free card or whatever it is. It's like getting a parachute. However, this parachute is being worn mid-flight. It's the uncomfortable and different things. You know, you, you're not able to recline properly. You're not able to really enjoy your flight in the seat. However, the promise of God lets you know that that plane is going to crash. So that discomfort and everything that you're going through while you have this parachute strapped to you during flight is nothing. You're grateful to have it. You're looking at it and you're just knowing the big picture that, wow, the Lord provided this parachute for me. And when this plane is going down and there's flames and there's chaos and there's screaming and there's all sorts of things, I am going to be all the more grateful because I have safety. I have salvation and it's on my back. It makes this trip, this flight very uncomfortable. But when it comes time to use that parachute, I will be very grateful. And I think that really is the expectations that should be set for Christians. So what do you think about that? I mean, what have you been taught? Uh, where have you been disappointed? Or have you seen other people that have just left the church or, you know, slid away for just some absolutely silly thing, whether it be, you know, discouragement that you thought like, wow, that's really what took them away or anything. Just, you know, just think about it and see if it lines up with, is it the fact that when they came to Christ, they had false expectations? And I'd love to know what you think about this and um, what your personal experiences are. And of course, I can be reached in all the social networks and all, all the contact information is in the show notes. So please reach out to me. Let me know what you think. And of course, until next time, later.